0: Freddy Krueger and a Nightmare on Elm Street is an iconic movie that was debuted in 1984 about a perverted and fiendish serial killer who preyed on teenagers. This evil spirit torments and kills his victims while they sleep in the realm of their dreams. But did you know that Wes Craven's inspiration for this movie is loosely based on a true story? In this episode, we will discuss the epidemic that was sweeping amongst Southeast Asians that was killing them in their sleep. Was it due to supernatural forces, Agent Orange, or is there simply no explanation for this sudden, unexplained nocturnal death syndrome? On this week's episode of Technically a Conversation. Greetings, you're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other, and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one third of your hosts, Elena, and I'm joined, as always, by the King of Nightmares, otherwise known as my brother, Jose. And how are we today?
1: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking.
1: I didn't know that you consider me the King of Nightmares. (laughs) How traumatized did I make you when we were
0: kids? (laughs) I'm only saying that because it ties into my story. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Speaking of nightmares, have you had any recently?
1: No, not that I can recall, but like I've mentioned in other programs, I don't ever really remember any of my dreams. The last one that I remember having was with Catherine McNamara. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: And what happened there? (laughs) <laughs> or it's one of those you TMI's.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I should be discussing that dream with my sister. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that I do remember you saying one time that you don't recall your dreams that often.
1: No. And I was trying to remember right now if, I, if I've if i had a, a dream more recent that I can remember, but no, nothing comes to mind.
0: Well, I actually do dream quite often, but I think I'm just a terrible sleeper. I, I think that's why I remember my dreams a lot.
1: <laughs> maybe, or maybe you're dreaming for the both of us.
0: Ah, oh, Maybe, I don't know. I know my nightmares usually consist of the end of the world type of situations. So sometimes it's about an alien invasion. Other times it's about a war. Sometimes it's about natural disasters.
1: All fun things to dream.
0: I know, right? <laughs> it's all like a like a what's his name Nolan movie in my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, <that> Christopher Nolan.
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> and in all of these nightmares, I'm always looking for or trying to reunite with a family member, and I'm trying to keep my kids safe. I mean, it's oh, it's just so like so much anxiety that goes through me when I have these dreams. That's the kind of dreams that I have now.
1: You know, of the ones that I do remember having. They were always very similar to that, like where for some reason I had been separated from whoever the co-star was in my dream. And like the whole mission was trying to find that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I seem to have those kind of dreams a lot. <laughs> the co-star. Oh, <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> they really weren't the co-star because they weren't in the dream much. I remember always trying to have to find them or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hate those kind of dreams. But- no, I mean for real. You aren't really known as a king of nightmares, but the story that I'm going to share with you is inspired by someone who I like to refer to as a king of nightmares.
1: Is it Frederick P. Krueger?
0: <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> P, what's the P for? I
1: don't know. Pedophile? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Pedo.
0: <laughs> Vito, <laughs> Frederick Vito Krueger.
1: But <laughs> well, it's like when people say Jesus H. Christ. Oh, yeah. It's like, what's the H for? I don't know. Horatio, maybe?
0: holy. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Holy Christ? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I like to think that's Horatio or Horatio.
0: Oh, well, it's probably, uh, it just sounds nicer, I think, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, this man needs no introduction because, well, we already said who we were talking about.
1: <laughs> oh, shit, I didn't think you were, you were actually serious about that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, I am. <laughs> he wears uh, that red and green striped sweater and a fedora, has the bladed glove, he's burnt to a crisp, and he's also known as the Springwood Slasher. Did you know that? Or do you remember that?
1: I do not know, but... I know that I'm not as into Freddy Krueger as our other brother is.
0: Yes. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, but um, I'm going to shout him out a little bit later. So I told you the kind of nightmares that I have now. But at one point when I was little, or I guess when I was younger, because so I'm still little. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I would have nightmares about ghosts, monsters, and sometimes movie characters. Kruger used to give me the creeps and sometimes was my (laughs) (laughs) co-star. In fact, I mean, he still kind of gives me the creeps. And let's not forget the reason why the townsfolk burned him to death. You know, because just a creepy old guy.
1: Well, it was more than just being a creepy old guy. Well, He was a pedo.
0: Yeah, that's what the P stands for, remember? (laughs) (laughs) Growing up with you, you being older than I... I watched a lot of inappropriate TV. Heck, our parents didn't seem to care. It seems like back then, movie and TV ratings were not pushed as hard as it is now, even though it was something that was introduced in 1930 and was known as the NPAA or the Motion Picture Association of America. It started out as the Hays Code and has since evolved to what we now know it as the MPA or the Motion Picture. Picture Association. This association, along with an independent division of the MPA called the C-A-R-A or Classification and Ratings Administration, helps determine a film's maturity level to help parents decide what is appropriate or inappropriate for their children. Common ratings we see nowadays as listed in Wikipedia and all sources will be linked on our show notes are as follows. G for general audiences, which suggests all ages are admitted.
1: Those are usually the boring movies. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's PG for parental guidance, suggested, which means that some of the material may not be suitable for young children.
1: That's usually okay for kids, though.
0: Yeah, usually. PG 13 for parents, strongly cautioned, which implies some materials may be inappropriate for children under 13, rated R for restricted, and requires an adult accompaniment for those under 17.
1: That's when the movies start getting really good.
0: That's right. And NC-17 for adults 18 and over only.
1: Yeah, baby.
0: Yeah. (laughs) None of this. It's okay to watch with adult supervision shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you really shouldn't be watching that with your kids.
0: No. (laughs) And it's no secret, if you haven't caught on already, that my favorite type of movie genre is horror. And as teenagers, my best friend Annie and I would sneak into the movies and try to pose as 17-year-olds so that we could get into all these horror movies that were rated R.
1: Would you guys put on a trench coat and then one of you get on the other person's shoulders? <laughs> no. And... No?
0: <laughs> Not like that. No. We, we'd wear tons of makeup and make sure to go to a young guy at the ticket counter because... of the time, it would work. And if that didn't work, we would coerce her grandfather to buy us the tickets. And that's how we would get in and see all those horror movies that were rated R. What about you, Jose? Did you ever pose as an older person to get into a movie? Or wear a trench coat on top of somebody else's shoulders?
1: (laughs) No. You know, back when I was a kid, it seemed like every movie was rated R. I think it's the opposite of now where every movie is rated PG-13. And it's rare that you see a rated R movie. Right? Yeah. And I think it's just because they're trying to appeal to kids and they know that if it's PG-13, they can come out with the monitos and the dolls and the stuffed animals and the Funko Pops and all that cool stuff. And it'll appeal to kids. But if they go to rated R, they're not going to be able to push that merchandise to kids. That's what I think personally.
0: That's true. And then I think also as a society, we're just exposed to a lot more too. And we're just not as innocent. So it's like these kids have already like been there, done that, seen that, you know?
1: Yeah, but back when I was growing up, it was very rare that somebody would stop you from buying a ticket. I think only one time that I can remember that uh, I went with our cousin Armandito, actually, mm-hmm. we went to go watch the movie Mo Money, and um, they wouldn't sell us the ticket, so we just asked like some random guy to buy the tickets for us. And um, same with the CDs, like all my CDs and cassettes used to have that parental advisory, And I think there was only like one, like a geek or something that wouldn't sell it to us (laughs) or that wouldn't sell me uh, whatever CD or or cassette. And I think it was like an L Cool J. It wasn't even anything like so bad, but for some reason he wouldn't sell it to me. So, you know, I would just go to a different music store because back then we had multiple music stores and in the malls where I would just wait a while and then go to a different uh, cashier.
0: Yeah, and then uh, not only that, I think you you got like a, a bulk or a majority of your CDs in Juarez, no? Um,
1: when I was really young, yeah. I did get a, the majority of my stuff from Juarez. And then when I discovered Columbia House in BMG, I ran those scams for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well.
1: But there were times when, when somebody, like when Metallica was coming out with the new album, like you knew you had to have that album like day and date. So those you you would go and get it at the store or something.
0: True. And, uh, you know, like you said, um, I guess, as I mentioned earlier, 99% of the time we had no issues getting a ticket, but there was always that one case. And, you know, we would have Annie's grandfather get the ticket for us. So <laughs> we always got to watch what we wanted to.
1: 99% of the time, I had no problem buying cigarettes in stores. And I was like 13 or something. And I would just walk in there and, Buy cigarettes. So, yeah, it was a different time for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Anyway, as you mentioned earlier, our other brother, he's a huge fan of Freddy Krueger. So, I want to dedicate this episode to him, Alfonso, who... You know, he's not a big fan of podcasts, and we know that he doesn't listen to the show, but maybe he'll listen to this one. I don't know.
1: <laughs> maybe. I've been trying to get him to come on the show to do a wrestling episode. Well, that would be cool. And he doesn't want to do it, so I think he's just kind of an old fuddy-duddy.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I can't take all the credit for selecting this topic, though. Antonio, my husband, he sent me a reel about two weeks ago on Instagram. Regarding the story, and I was inspired, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do my topic about.
1: Cool. Shout out Antonio.
0: Yeah. So, all right, Jose, enough dicking around. Ay, wait. Are you ready to get started?
1: Let's do this shit.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> As previously mentioned, we're going to be talking about Freddy Krueger today, one of the most iconic villains of our time. He's up there with Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Pennywise, among other greats. But if I were to sit here and list them all, well, we would, we would be here all day. Who's your favorite?
1: Donald Trump is definitely a good villain. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's not one that came
0: to my mind, but you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I hate that orange piece of shit. <laughs> uh, probably my favorite of all time. Has to be Darth Vader.
0: Really? Oh, I thought you were going to say Michael Myers, because you would play those Halloween movies nonstop growing up, especially the one with the...
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was Halloween 2. Yeah. Or Halloween 3, the season of the witch or whatever.
0: Which doesn't even include Michael Myers, but...
1: No, but it was just cool because of the masks.
0: Yeah, it was cool.
1: Probably of the slashers, it would be Michael Myers. He probably is my favorite of the slashers, but like a villain of any media, it would probably always have to be Darth Vader.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I I could definitely see that now. All right, well, going back to Freddy, what a lot of people might not know is that Freddy Krueger and A Nightmare on Elm Street was inspired by a wave of unexplained deaths by a particular group of people. Did you know this, Jose?
1: I did not know this. Elena.
0: (laughs) I didn't (laughs) either.
1: (laughs) Please tell me about it, Elena.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it's funny that you don't because I went back and I listened to your episode about sleep paralysis. And you guys talk about Freddie, talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, talk about something that we're going to that I'm going to discuss here a little bit later. But I was like, I can't believe that in your research, you never came upon This story.
1: I don't believe that I ever researched Freddy Cougar. I think that was just like when we're going off script and, you know, talking about bullshit or whatever.
0: Well, Wes Craven recalls an article he read in the L.A. Times in which he recounts a story that took place in 1981 about this young boy, a refugee from the Cambodian genocide, who was absolutely terrified to sleep in fear that he would be attacked in his dreams and perish. His parents tried many different methods to get him to go to sleep, including sleeping pills, but nothing seemed to work. After several days, he finally nodded off, and the parents thought that this nightmare was finally over, until they heard the blood-curdling screams coming from his bedroom in the middle of the night. By the time they got to him, the young boy had died in his sleep in the middle of a nightmare.
1: Oh, shit.
0: I know. New fear unlocked. Death by dream.
1: We <laughs> you know, I had always heard about um, supposedly that if you fall in your dream and you actually hit the ground that you would die or something like that. I never researched it to see if it was an urban legend or if it actually happened. But I can see being so scared that your heart just gives out on you.
0: Yeah, I, I had heard that too. And that would be a, a good thing to look into. Maybe we can do. Oh, no, you did. a. Uh, you guys did a. Dreams episode too? Oh, something about a machine or whatever?
1: Yeah, Isela did one about dreams. I did the one about sleep paralysis. And as far as I can remember, I think those are the only ones that we've done that involve dreaming. But I don't know, we've recorded over 100 episodes now, so it's hard for me to keep track of everything.
0: Yeah, I didn't hear the dreams episode, but I did hear the sleep paralysis one before recording this one just because... I knew that I was going to talk about it in this episode, so I just wanted to make sure that you didn't already cover it, which you didn't, so I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know all those sleeping pills that they were giving to this boy so that he could sleep? Mm -hmm. They discovered them all underneath his pillow, and he had a coffee pot or a coffee maker in his closet, so he was drinking buttloads of coffee to stay awake. Poor guy, man. How devastating, huh?
1: That's awful. I think that was one of the plots of one of the Nightmare on Elm Street where they would take coffee and I think they would take like speed or some shit to keep awake.
0: Yeah, uh, the main character, Nancy, in the first movie, that's what she does. She drinks lots of coffee. She takes, I think it's called like stay awake pills or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's probably speed so that she doesn't fall asleep because she's she's afraid of, of dying in her sleep because of the, the nightmares that she's having.
1: I like the other one, the Dream Warriors, where... That chick was like, "All right, I'm finally gonna face the son of a bitch." She just takes like a handful of sleeping pills and fuck it, you know, to stay asleep.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that one's a good one for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to say that to Dream Warriors, but I could be wrong.
0: I don't remember them. I what I should have done is binge, binged, watched, binged, watch, whatever, all of the the movies. But I, I ain't nobody got time for that.
1: <laughs> nobody got time for <laughs> that, that shit. Got, yeah. <laughs> Funny that we're talking about her, her brother. I was telling him about the Amelia Earhart one. Oh yeah, and he remembered the American Horror Story. But I believe he said that it was only one episode that they did about Amelia Earhart, and it was a a season where I think they did half a season was with some bullshit. The other half of the season was about aliens, and that's where they bring in Amelia Earhart. And I was like, oh shit! You know, we were, you know, we t- actually mentioned that. I didn't watch the episode or season or whatever. He's like, no, it wasn't a whole season. It was just one episode. And he said that he also remembered her being lost in the Bermuda Triangle.
0: Yes, it's. I tell you, it's a Mandela effect. It's got to be.
1: Maybe, but yeah, she was like in the opposite side of the of where the uh, Bermuda Triangle is.
0: Well, that's what we're conditioned to believe now. But back then, I remember the Bermuda Triangle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the Bermuda Triangle remembers you. Oh, well, I hope not. <laughs> Forget me, please. <laughs>
0: All right, well, this kid and that incident, it was not an isolated incident. Dozens of Southeast Asian refugees died suddenly in their sleep in or around the 1980s. The first documented case seemed to have occurred in Orange County in 1977 by a young and healthy man by the name of, and I'm probably going to butcher this, Lai Dao, I don't know, Lai Dao, who also died in his sleep. These otherwise healthy 20 to 30-year-old men were from the Hmong ethnic group, and all the attacks were unexpected, fatal, and absolutely mysterious. All victims were afflicted in the middle of the night and passed away in complete agony. An autopsy pinpointed the cause of death as acute cardiac insufficiency, which basically is a fancy way of saying, who the fuck knows? (laughs) Okay. It's presumed that he was frightened to death by a nightmare. There were enough of these deaths amongst this group to cause panic and alarm public health experts. It's estimated that between 20 to 28 men died in this manner and the cause of their deaths is still a mystery. According to History.com, the people who suffered from this baffling affliction tended to be refugees from Laos, a Southeast Asian country known for its mountainous terrain, French colonial architecture, hill tribe settlements, and Buddhist monasteries. The Hmongs were a minority group that were recruited by the CIA in an effort to fight the North Vietnamese soldiers in the Vietnam War. You can imagine that this group was, of course, persecuted in Laos for helping the U.S. fight communism in the Northern Highlands where they lived. For some reason, the Hmong people died at an alarming rate, 10 times higher than their American counterparts. When the Vietnam War ended in 1975, Laos became a communist country and the Hmongs were viewed as traitors for helping out the United States during the war. Survivors fled to become refugees in Thailand or the U.S., This forced migration was very long and very treacherous, said Dr. Kanthari Um, an associate professor at UC Berkeley and author of Southeast Asia Migration, People on the Move in Search of Work, Refugee, and Belonging. This group's troubles did not end with the migration. They often were traumatized and suffered from high rates of poverty. Soon, another ailment would strike them, death by Freddy Krueger. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but sort of.
1: <laughs> so was there alarming death rate due to poverty or was it due to them just getting killed in the war or did they ever explain?
0: We'll actually explain that later. But um, there was a lot of speculation to what could be causing these deaths. And I'll go ahead and share those with you after these messages. We'll be right back.
1: Pom pom pom. I felt like that was appropriate there. (laughs) (laughs) I was. Imagine a hospital that did just about anything to put patients in their beds, and doctors who performed hundreds of unnecessary heart surgeries on these people hear the lengths the government had to go to in order to stop the fraud and why many believe the person responsible got away with it. If the Walls Could Talk podcast shares the tangled history and true crimes that happened at Chicago's Edgewater Hospital. Listen to If the Walls Could Talk wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Are you currently enjoying the show on the Stitcher app? Then you need to know Stitcher is going away on August 29th. Yep, going away. As in kaput, gone, dead. Rest in peace, Stitcher. And thanks for 15 years of service to the podcast community. So switch to another podcast app and follow this show there. Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we're back. We're back! say, did Freddy Krueger visit you in a nightmare during our break?
1: As a matter of fact, he did. I wasn't sure if it was Freddy Krueger or the Holy Spirit, but I'm pretty sure it was Freddy Krueger.
0: Was it Freddy P. Krueger? Just kidding.
1: (laughs) You know, every time I hear you say Freddy P. Krueger, it reminds me of like Michael P. Keaton or something from like Family Ties.
0: (laughs) They are not one and the same, guys. Not one and the same.
1: (laughs) No, but for some reason, that's what pops into my mind. I imagine Michael P. Keaton, which was Michael J. Fox, yeah. <laughs> with the, dressed as Freddy Krueger.
0: <laughs> oh, no. That is a sight to definitely see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before the break, I told you about Wes Craven's inspiration for A Nightmare on Elm Street and the monk people from Laos who fled after the Vietnam War and were mysteriously dying In the middle of the night, in their sleep, all young and healthy men. Thank you, Jose.
1: (laughs) You're welcome, Elena.
0: I know that you asked me why, but do you have a theory as to why this might have been happening? And it was only targeting men.
1: I don't know. Um, It's weird because you do see a lot of weird patterns like that. And I was reminded of that with... um, LeBron James' son. Oh, uh huh. Apparently, he went into cardiac arrest in the middle of a basketball game. He's like 18 years old, and then not too long ago, Shaq's kid also had cardiac arrest while playing a, a basketball game, and he's also like a maybe late teens. So it's really weird. Where it kind of seems like there's a pattern where all these people are having the same the same issue. I don't know if it's because it's really just a pattern, or maybe it's because it happens to one famous person and you kind of pay attention more. And the news media, you know, looking to like, they keep on capitalizing on that news article or whatever. They, they keep on looking for stories that are similar. I don't know.
0: It could be genetics too.
1: Yeah, it could be. But as to what happened to those poor guys from Laos, I have no idea.
0: All right. Well, I have three theories to share with you. And one theory has two explanations.
1: Does one of them have to do anything with aliens?
0: No, it actually has to do with Sun's.
1: Sons, okay.
0: Which you talked about sons. It's the sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome.
1: Oh, okay. That that's sons.
0: Yes, that sons. <laughs> 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 ah, okay. So the deaths continued to happen across seven states California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, no Yordaho. Sorry, stupid joke. Nevada, Utah, and Arizona over several years. All victims were Hmong Men and their deaths were described by witnesses stating that they all exhibited signs of heavy breathing, violent thrashing, and blood-curdling screams. Besides this, there were no other explanations for their deaths. By 1981, 19 Hmong men and one Hmong woman's death in the U.S. was attributed to sons. While this might not seem like a lot compared to other causes of deaths amongst the Hmong population, Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> Around the same time, suns made up more than half of those deaths. Interesting fact the Hmong people were the only ones experiencing suns here in the United States and not in Laos. Hmm,
1: that is very interesting.
0: Yes. Now, the second theory is based on supernatural origins. Many Hmong believed that these deaths were being caused by a nocturnal evil spirit or dark entity as punishment for fleeing their homeland. Wes Craven took this idea and ran with it. That along with a personal incident that occurred to him as a young boy with a disfigured homeless man, and boom, you got free. So Wes's story goes this way. As a young boy, he was awakened in the middle of the night and saw a disfigured homeless man wearing a fedora standing underneath the streetlight, just looking at him. When he turned away and looked back, he was gone actually no he wasn't he was still there scaring the shit out of him taunting him i don't know how there's no um further explanation about the taunting but was he was still there and if you're not familiar with freddy krueger we'll make sure to include lots of photos so he can also creep you out (laughs) um if you're not familiar with it never watched a movie and are not familiar with the storyline Freddy Krueger was a perverted and fiendish serial killer who preyed on the teenagers of the avenging parents who murdered Freddy after discovering that Freddy was a pedophile, which is why his middle initial is P. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit lives on to torment and kill his victims in their sleep in the realm of their dreams. And although Nightmare on Elm Street is loosely based on the sun's epidemic, You can't help but correlate these kids' pleas for help and their parents' refusal to believe them, just like that little Cambodian boy in the beginning of this story. If you haven't watched the movie already, I recommend you watch the original before you watch any of the remakes.
1: Yeah, the original is the best. And I also really like A New Nightmare. I think it was one of the last ones that they did with Robert England.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're they're very good. I even like the... Freddy versus Jason one, even though it was kind of corny, <laughs> thought it was uh, it was fun though.
1: Yeah, I never saw any of those Freddy versus Jason ones, <gasps> just because they did seem like they were they would be very corny.
0: Yeah, they are, but they're, but they're fun. So Nightmare on Elm Street was a huge success when it debuted in 1984, and several sequels followed, as did Sons, which claimed the lives of seventy-two Laotian. Vietnamese and Cambodian refugees by the time of the film's release, and still with no real explanation in sight. Traditional Hmong religion believes that there are spirits throughout the world, and a person's ancestors are there to protect them, but they will only be protected if they keep their ancestors happy with gifts and whatnot. And the reason why their ancestors are there is to protect them because of the evil spirits that exist particularly one named Da Cho, a nocturnal oppressing spirit who visits you at night and sits on your chest, making it hard to breathe and move. Does this sound familiar to you, Jose?
1: Yes, like the succubus and incubus.
0: Yes, exactly. So it does sound a little bit like sleep paralysis, right? Correct. All right, well, health officials attributed this to enormous amounts of stress and or culture shock, causing high levels of anxiety and depression, and why this might seem like a plausible explanation stress is hard to measure speaking of sleep paralysis another nocturnal spirit named dab sog or night hag was also making the rounds
1: No, oh, sí, es mi amiga
0: <laughs> la night hag es tu amiga
1: yeah <laughs> es mi compa de la prepa <laughs> ay sí <laughs> <laughs> o
0: Se la conozco yo le decíamos la night hag <laughs> <laughs> The myth of this entity visiting you while you sleep is now being associated with sleep paralysis, which is a symptom of being paralyzed while either waking up or just falling asleep, and often results in nightmares or hallucinations. If you haven't heard our episode on sleep paralysis, go and listen to that one after this one, and you won't regret it. It aired on October 4th, 2021, and I'm pretty sure it was episode 14. Anyway, there's no evidence that sleep paralysis can kill you, but let's ask our expert, Jose, who did all of the research for that episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't I do even remember at all.
0: Yeah, uh, as far as I could tell, there's, there's no evidence that you can die from sleep paralysis.
1: Yeah, I don't believe so, but they do correlate stress with, with heart disease. So if somebody has a lot of stress, maybe like the people from Laos that, you know, they were in a war environment, and now they're coming to the U.S. and they're exposed to different culture, different people. And if it was during that wartime, people were probably super racist and disrespectful towards them also, possibly adding to even more stress. True. I mean, I can see why that could cause, uh, you know, a heart-related issue. And keep in mind that they're here in the U.S. and not in, in Vietnam, so they don't have their ancestors to protect them anymore.
0: Exactly. Yes. So... I know
1: that part I made up, but it, it sounds like it could be possible.
0: Yeah, so that was a thing I think that I said earlier is that they were being punished because they left their homeland. Oh, okay. So that, that is part of it. <laughs> but sleep paralysis gets elaborated in different cultures, in different ways, and most people feel terrified by it. I know you mentioned that you were super terrified when it happened to you.
1: It would happen to me so much when I was younger.
0: And it would happen to me a lot also when I was in my 20s and I was living alone in Albuquerque. And after listening to your episode on it, I realized why I was having sleep paralysis. But at that time, when I was in my 20s, I still believed in ghosts and I thought it was being haunted. So I don't know. That's a different story.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe you were being haunted. You can't really rule that out.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess if you believe in ghosts and stuff, (laughs) but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But yeah, it was the same. I didn't know why I was having it a lot either. But, you know, I'm sure it had a lot to do with all the stress that I was under. I was working full-time, I was going to school full-time, and I had a bunch of family drama and shit. So yeah, it was a lot of things on, on me. And it was too much for me to handle probably, but somehow I didn't get sons.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> well, for me, I mean, I was living on my own. I had moved out when I was 20. I, was, I had two jobs. I didn't have any family. And since I had just turned 21 in Albuquerque, I was having the time of my life. I was partying every day, pretty much, drinking, staying out late, having irregular sleep hours. So I know all of that contributed to my sleep paralysis. And it would often happen when I would fall asleep, like on the couch, like you were saying at...
1: At my mom's house.
0: Yeah, that you would fall asleep on the couch and that would happen. That happened to me too. It's weird. Maybe it's because we're not sleeping as comfortably as we would be in our own beds. Maybe. And then you were kind of like trying to stay somewhat alert because you were waiting for somebody to arrive or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what my excuse was, but I just remember it was terrible.
1: Yeah, I think it was, remember La Señora Coco? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was La Señora Coco was supposed to go pick something up from my mom's house or she was going to take something to my mom, something like that.
0: She did have to go up and down the hill both ways in the heat. Not just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I did feel really bad because I really did like her. She was really sweet.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I do remember my mom saying que va a la señora Coco Labres la cuando llegue, because quien sabe que iba a traer um, to open the door whenever she got there because she was going to take something. So yeah, I, I kind of made a point to be alert, and no, I completely knocked out. And and I remember opening my eyes and hearing the doorbell, and then I remember hearing the I want to say I remember hearing the telephone ringing also. I think it was my mom calling, finding out why I wasn't opening the door, but I just couldn't get up.
0: Yeah. Those are like the worst when you when you, when you you feel paralyzed. Like that's exactly what it is. You feel paralyzed and you can kind of hear what's going on around you, but you can't do anything about it. Oh, I hate that feeling so much.
1: Now I know why they call it sleep paralysis.
0: <laughs> I hate it. And then it got to the point where I just stopped fighting it. You know, cause I would be, I would want to wake up, like just wake up already I can't, or somebody hear me or see me. I'm, I'm struggling. Come and wake me up. But I mean, nobody would ever come. So I just got to the point where I was just like, I'm just going to go back to sleep. <laughs> I'll wake up better <laughs> next time.
1: <laughs> I was hearing on another podcast and they were saying that that was the best thing you could do is just go back to sleep. And then next wake up cycle or whatever you call it, you would be able to wake up like normal.
0: And I think that's what you said, too, in your episode, was that you realized that if you went back to sleep, you would wake up fine and not in a paralyzed state the next time. So, yeah, I I just stopped fighting it. I'm like, oh, just go back to sleep.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't remember what I said two days ago, let alone two (laughs) years ago. So,
0: Well, I remember because I just listened to it. So, All right. Well, the last theory for these unexplained night deaths is... Agent Orange. Agent Orange is a deadly herbicide acid that was used by the U.S. military during the Vietnam War and was designed to kill crops for the duration of the nine years that they were in the Vietnam.
1: And it gave a lot of them cancer as well.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, we'll get into that.
1: (laughs) Oh, sorry.
0: Want to guess how much was poured into the vegetation?
1: One million gallons.
0: Way more than that.
1: One billion gallons.
0: (laughs) Not that much.
1: (laughs) 500 million gallons.
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) Over 20 million
1: gallons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, this didn't just affect the crops. It also affected the Vietnamese people causing cancer, which you said, birth defects, miscarriages, and skin diseases. No wonder some speculate that Agent Orange could be the culprit for Sons. But there is no concrete evidence for this. Dr. Larry V. Lumen, County Medical Examiner, states, quote, nerve gas doesn't act this way. There's no evidence. Secondly, if this was nerve gas, why does it affect only males? And why only during the night? End quote. Good point.
1: Maybe because the males were usually the ones that were the soldiers during the Vietnam War.
0: But they were all eating the crops.
1: But they might have been exposed to more Agent Orange than the women.
0: Yeah, maybe. That's true, too. Maybe. So, which theory is your favorite?
1: Personally, I think that Frederick P. Kruger (laughs) was the... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, um... I mean it's possible that just from all the stress that they have, it affected their cardiovascular system, and you know it made them more susceptible to die out of fear you know their their heart was already weakened, so I think um you know just the the fear like everything being compounded, the fear, the culture clash, being away from their families, probably a lot of racism that they felt trying to adapt to a new environment, all that added on to the stress and You know, it was a lot for a lot of those people to be able to handle.
0: But mostly men. I mean, keep in mind, they only have like one woman on record dying from sons. So why would, I mean, if they're all going through the war, they're all having to migrate. They're all kind of sort of seeing the same things. Why only the men?
1: That I can't answer.
0: I know. That's so crazy. Well, I mean, nobody can because it's still a mystery. They still have not solved it.
1: You can add it to Isela's list of. Three questions she wants answered when she dies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll drop it in her Dropbox. <laughs>
1: we'll piggyback off of her list.
0: All right. Well, on that note, we hope you enjoyed the show and join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Follow us on the socials at greetingsTAC, email us at greetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us.
1: About the time Frederick P. Kruger visited you you in your dreams.
0: (laughs) Visit you.
1: Well, I was intending to edit that part out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) About your nightmares.
1: On Elm Street.
0: Yeah, because we do have an Elm Street here.
1: Yep. Your nightmare on Elm Street and Copia. (laughs)